Jamie, how you doing? You alright? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Yourself? Very well, thank Jolly you. Good. It's a bit weird, we're recording this in the evening. It's not good, is it? It's a belated strange. episode two. Welcome everyone to Padraturb, <laughs> episode two. Padraturb. I don't know why you're laughing, that sounds amazing. It doesn't sound amazing. <laughs> and when I was listening back to the last one, it also makes no sense. <laughs> like, that was your explanation. It that was. wasn't... That was off the cuff, that, the patronising, perturbing thing. We don't, we, yeah. we're not pushing that. <laughs> you're what, like, yeah, for anyone who's listening for the first time, Padraturb is how you pronounce the abbreviated version of Paul and Jamie read the Bible. Basically, it's Twitter's fault because they yeah. wouldn't let us have at Paul and Jamie read the Bible, which is fair because it would take up half a tweet. Yeah, you tried to. Uh, yeah, if you try to to mention anything to us, but I I don't understand why we always start by explaining about our Twitter name as if it's the most <laughs> important thing ever. Well, but there you go, Padraturn. It probably took the longest to do out of out of all the extra bits outside yeah. of the actual recording. Yeah, was to set up all the social media, so we got to really plug it, even that's though it. no one likes us. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> no one tweets. No one podcasts. tweets at us anyway. <laughs> so that's fine. <laughs> so basically, the gist of our podcast. Each episode, we're going to try, we give ourselves a week to look at a passage in the Bible, get as much out of it as we can, mm-hmm. maybe read around it if we've got time. Both of us, we've got jobs, we're trying to f- squeeze this in, you know, both got responsibility. So we're trying to do an honest week's study. Um, so it's the sort of thing you guys can do at home as well. Um, yeah, so I think the idea is that we're going through Mark at the moment. Uh, we did chapter one last week. We're doing chapters two and three. If you haven't read them, pause now. Get up to speed. Jamie, what did you find in the first section? In the first section, wow, we're getting cracking fast. Come on, like, Paul is on a mission. I want to go to bed. <laughs> Paul, wants to go to, yeah, <laughs> Paul wants to go to bed. Okay, start. Mark, Mark chapter two begins with Jesus healing the paralytic. Before we go into that passage, mm-hmm. I feel the need to do a little bit about the bit before. Because okay. I spotted something, Go on. and I got very excited this week while I was looking. I, I know I, I like. I, did I phone you or email you or text you or something? Well, yeah, we kind of keep missing each other. We, but yeah, yeah. We, we we almost communicated this week, almost. which is good, <laughs> almost. And that, but I, I got excited this week because I found so many little details that are interesting. At the end of Mark chapter one, there's the healing of the man with leprosy, closely followed at the beginning of Mark chapter two. With the Jesus, with the Jesus, with Jesus, the Jesus. The one and only Jesus. The one and only Jesus healing <laughs> one of many paralytics. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's what goes on. Now there's an interesting shift in what's going on in Mark at this point. Jesus heals the leper, the man with leprosy, and he says to him, go off to the teachers of the law, to the Pharisees, and show them that you're healed mm-hmm. and go through all of the rituals that they have to be healed. Now, if I was a Pharisee and a man who had already been healed showed up saying, Jesus healed me mm-hmm. or a guy called Jesus healed me and he's told me to pointlessly go through your rituals <laughs> as well, I would be really antagonized. Before Jesus sends that leper 
there is no mention of any Pharisee or teacher of the law being interested in his ministry in Mark. They're mm. just not there. Yeah. Jesus sends in a kamikaze ex-leper <laughs> to, to wind them up. And what we're going to look at this week is them basically returning fire on yeah, Jesus. He actually sends him in to wind him up. So that, that was like at the end of last week we were looking at the leper thing. Yeah. We talked about how, how amazing it is that Jesus healed this guy. He's got this healing power. And obviously there are like parallels with our ability to be healed in many ways as well. Mm-hmm. This time we've got the paralytic. He gets healed because of his friend's faith. Because of the faith of a whole group of people. When you read the passage... There are loads of guys that carry him along the road. There are, there are four, I think it's four guys that are carrying him. And there are loads of guys that were stood around outside the house. They can't get in to the house. They clearly don't have any kind of concept of a queuing system and are the <laughs> most extreme people ever. Like I was thinking about this, like to be so desperate, right? To smash a hole in a roof that mm. doesn't belong to you. Like to actually smash a hole in a roof. <laughs> it did occur to me reading that because it's yeah. one of those things you've heard. I've heard these stories so many times yeah. that you kind of gloss over the the most ridiculous bits, don't you? Like, yeah. you know, you're looking up and there's all bits of plaster hitting you on the head. That's like, it. what on earth is going on? That's it. Like, what? It's, it really is one of those things that when you're in Sunday school, you accept it as that's what you do if you've got a lot of faith. But actually, it's out of order. What they did. <laughs> it is out it's of vandalism. order. It's vandalism. <laughs> Stay in school, don't do drugs, and do not smash holes in people's roofs, even if your mate's in a wheelchair and you want to lower him down to someone who you think is the Messiah. It is never okay to do that. These guys, though, did manage to pull it off, right? Go figure. The wonder of scripture. So they, they lower this guy down. And Jesus looks at all of his friends and says, because of your faith and because of the guy's faith as well. Because I'd I'd imagine they weren't doing this against his will as well. (laughs) You know, so... It wouldn't have been too hard. No, no. If these... poor bloke is paralysed. Where are you taking me? Please don't smash a hole in the roof. (laughs) No, please don't lower me down. Don't lower me down. Like, I don't think it was like that. I think it was more, I need to get to Jesus and I think it would have been his desperation and their love of him that made them do this. And they would have heard that there's a pretty good chance that Jesus is the man who can do it. There were lots of people now running around saying, wow, he give me this, yeah. he give me that. Yeah, exactly. So that, that, they do all this. It happens in that way. And Jesus heals him and says to all of them, look, you guys have all worked together. You guys have come together because of your faith in me. You knew that I was the one that could heal. And so your sins are forgiven and then to the paralytic guy get up and walk and he gets up and walks now the pharisees who were irritated about the whole mocking leper thing (laughs) um, they've shown up because they're like we need to suss this guy out because he has just plamped us he has pulled our trousers down. That's what Jesus was Plamsed, doing. Did you Plamsed. Say? Yeah, is it's that? A, that is to pull you, someone's trousers down, is to it? To plamp someone. No, no. Oh, okay. Plamp. I don't know. Maybe this is just something that, that I've... I, I believe I might have got this from my brother, actually. Oh, okay. When you plamp something, it's like, if you've, if you've won a game of tennis in straight sets, you yeah. can, like, just point you to your plamps. own face. 
and say, I plants that. Or How are we spelling this, just in case plamps, this comes up in a spelling? I've never written it, I'll be honest. Okay. But uh, the, the spelling for plamst is P-L-A-M-P-S-E-D. Okay, I'm going to start using it. that now. Yeah, everyone like uses it. it, I plamst it. Jesus plampses the Pharisees <laughs> all day long. That's what we're going to be learning tonight. <laughs> So they're there, and they, they get really angry. And this is this is this is the key point in this passage in terms of Jesus' ministry. They get they get really annoyed. I say annoyed. They get they get worried about what Jesus is saying because he's forgiving sins, and quite rightly, due to what they knew from their holy books, which are also part of our Bible, only God, only God can forgive sins so to say that this man's sins were forgiven that is blasphemy if you're not god and they did not believe that jesus was god so they quite rightly in a way got angry that's interesting because when i've been reading through these chapters this week i've kind of been really down on them and just thought what a bunch of videos but when you put it like that it kind of makes sense why yeah. they react the way they do. Uh, I, I'll give yeah. you that. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I will take that. <laughs> and party. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Take that. <laughs> I'm a fan of the Pharisees. Okay. I would, go, I would go as far as to say I'm a fan of the Pharisees. Wow. There were other Jewish sects around at the time that had nothing to do with Jesus at all. These guys were bothered about what he had to say. Mm. And in other Gospels, there is an example of one Pharisee who comes to Jesus late in the night and says, a lot of us have been talking and we want to hear what you've got to say without challenging you. And Jesus speaks to that Pharisee and he becomes a follower of Jesus as well. Having said that, Jesus does seem pretty fed up with their arrogance. They are arrogant. Mm. They exalt themselves, is the phrase that he uses. And he uses lots of examples of how they um, will one day be humbled. But I've got a lot... They ask the questions that I would ask. If you, Paul, were a face-melting messiah, <laughs> that I know you aspire to be, that goes around melting the faces I hope of we get to melt faces men, heaven. women and children that get in your way, and that if... The, if you were the Messiah or claiming to be the Messiah and said, I am God now, I am Jesus come back again, for example, mm -hmm. I would have some questions and I would say, you can't. In fact, everyone who has claimed to be Jesus since Jesus, the church has said are blaspheming. Yes. And they were right to. Yes. No, I appreciate that. But uh, I, I think, all you know, in the accounts like we were looking at last episode, where people said, look at this authority he's got, you would hope that that the actual Jesus <laughs> would have something that would make it a bit more obvious than just some nutter who says, I'm, I'm the second coming of Jesus. It just, you know, no one's ever come close to that, have they? No one's ever had no. that sort of way with people. No one's ever had, I don't know. Yeah, let's... <laughs> No, 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 I, I, I don't I know that many people who have claimed to be the Messiah, to be fair, so no. I'm, I'm sort of coming from a position where well, I don't no. know. But. No, but, but I, I, just, I just have sympathy with them. They're only just learning about this guy. Mm. 
but it's the first time that Jesus is making these overt claims about himself. By he knew what he was doing when he said that. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's that's what I pulled from that anyway. Bit of sympathy for the Pharisees at this point, but okay. they clearly are annoyed and they are out to get him. Mm-hmm. And mm. that's so yeah. Yeah, we'll see more of that. Um, nice. Okay. So moving on. Are we moving on? Yeah, yeah, I've got a couple of points, but that's the great thing about this book is that these things keep coming up, the same thing, so I'll be able to raise yeah. them later. I want you to raise one now. Okay, I'm going to raise you one of them. I'm going to raise a quick one that I can just so boil down I to some. Can stand on. Sorry. This is, we're going to run long. I mean, it's sorry, fine if, if you want to turn songs. this into a musical. It's not a problem. I'm but sorry, there's no. <laughs> it's the evening. I'm the one who's been saying, yeah, it's fine if we go on for four hours, and you've been like, no, we've got to stick to time, so let's, yeah, sorry, let's keep it going. I, I apologise so, for that. I'm just going to um, drop in the quick one. Um, that it's interesting the way um, th- that Jesus, it, the two things go seemingly the wrong way round. He says, your sins are forgiven before he says, pick up your mat and walk. Because the, the guy's come not because he wants to be right with God, but he's come basically because he wants to be out to walk and move about, doesn't he really? And I was mm-hmm. just um, <clears throat> conscious that Sometimes we get um, the two the wrong way around as well. When we get in a difficult situation, something bad happens in our lives, we struggle um, because we think, well, why has God let this happen? And we forget that God's already done the hard bit. The important bit is our sins have been forgiven. Mm-hmm. That That's a massive thing which far trumps anything we go mm-hmm. through. So I, I, I think try and flip it around in your head. Try and be encouraged in difficult times because God, God does care about you because he's actually done mm. the, the biggest thing already. He, he's he got his priorities right. He's forgiven your sins before he deals with your situation. So that's mm. that's one thing I just wanted to um, know. And then also Jesus says, he, he says, oh, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or take your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth. So that's just saying when, when stuff does work itself out, these difficult situations, make sure you give the thanks to God. But mm-hmm. even even if it isn't resolved the way you want it, you can still give thanks because the biggest bit, freedom from your sins, has already been accomplished. Does that make sense? Yeah. So sorry, that was a yeah. bit long. But no, that does make sense, and I think that's that's partly what what the Pharisees as well were struggling with. They were entirely in this world that existed on Earth. Their authority existed mm-hmm. on Earth, and they've got this guy that's doing stuff that suggests that his authority is from a different place as well. And so I think in the same way we can struggle like those Pharisees, just like you're saying, mm-hmm. is that it's like, all oh, right, well, this doesn't scratch scratch where I'm itching on earth yeah. right now, yeah. here, in the here and now, I question this, I question that. But there is something bigger and greater going on. And that's what's rattled them. No, that's cool. So what did you find in the next load then? Yeah, so um, this is where um, Jesus calls Levi. So this is another, we'll, we'll find out that he becomes another disciple. So we've got four people that we've um, seen. We've seen four fishermen and then Jesus picks a tax collector. So, I mean, again, for those of you who have been going to church and have been reading Bibles for a while, the whole Jews hated tax collectors things is a bit of a cliche. They're working with the Romans and whatever and the Jews didn't like it. Mm-hmm. But it is it is still an important point to remember the Jews really hated the tax collectors. So it's <laughs> yeah, interesting. They, did. <laughs> they really did. That's it. Like I say, everyone knows that, but they really did. So it's important to remember that Jesus goes out and purposefully seeks this guy who he knows people aren't going to like it. 
excuse me, but he still will pick people that, you know, and sometimes we might look at people and go, well, yeah, there's no way God's ever going to save them or pick them. Um, and we'd be wrong to do that because, you know, Jesus doesn't see any sort of barriers. Um, I've got a question. What's worse than one tax collector? And the answer is, verse 15, many tax collectors and sinners. <laughs> That's a really good joke, Paul. Yeah, thanks. Well done. <laughs> it's da, biblical. Da, 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 da. It's biblical, therefore it's amazing. That's basically yeah, that's how... Yeah. That's biblical how. is amazing. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. New rule. So, <laughs> New ground rule. Okay. Biblical is amazing. I like it. I like it. So what's that? We've got actually read the Bible and to biblical is amazing. That's it. It's good. I like okay. it. Okay. No, that works for me. So I'm saying... So again, this is where the Pharisees get rolled up because like I say, you know, one tax collector is bad enough, but yeah. to have a whole room of them and... You know, what we look at, well, or the Pharisees looked at it as sinners. Mm. They, they can't, they can't wrap their heads around it. But what I love about this is that, um, Jesus and his disciples are there. So they're all reclining together. Um, and people feel welcome around Jesus. I'm often struck when I talk to people, <coughs> excuse me. And um, this is going to be a recurring motif, me clearing my throat. Um, when, when Jesus is chatting to people, they feel comfortable in his presence. Uh, when I, when I talk to people about, you know, even if I just mention that I'm a Christian or I mention church, people go, oh, you're going to tell me I'm going to go to hell then? And I've always been struck by that because I don't know who these Christians are who are going around and just telling people that they're going to hell and they don't want to spend any time with these people. I don't, I don't know if that's a, if that's a thing that happens. I, I think there probably are some people. I'd like to think it's a small minority of people, mm. but, but for some reason, people instantly feel uncomfortable as soon as you mention church or Christianity and it actually takes a while to prove that no you do you can actually talk to people and mm. have a normal conversation you're not going to judge them stuff like that I, I love the fact that there's none of that with Jesus just people know straight off that yeah. they can be comfortable around him um, yeah it's like we asked last time didn't we about there's that, like, that question like do we do we avoid stuff because we're Christians mm-hmm. Or do we get involved in those situations that so, yeah. would be perceived as negative because we're Christians? It's that's like it, that's you, you exactly could it. you what's your motivation in, in in doing either of those things as well? And that's the yeah. thing. And, and Jesus' motivation, I don't think. I'm sure he did have chances to drop things in. You know, a lot of his teaching, but I don't think for the majority of the time he would be preaching at these people. I think he'd be sitting there chatting with them, eating with them. He's enjoying being in their company and they are enjoying him um and and that's exactly you're exactly right the pharisees don't understand why there should be that mix no. of of jesus and the sinners in fact it's interesting isn't it that while he that when jesus mixes with these people he's not overtly teaching the so-called sinners in overted in mm-hmm. inver- overted inverted commas and that which he actually has here he's teaching those people that are watching that situation. Yeah. It is interesting. He's actually not there to teach them. Mm, mm. He's there to... And then, yeah, it's interesting what he says in a bit as well. Yeah, no. Probably (laughs) stealing your thunder there. Yeah, well, maybe. maybe. I'm just overexcited. Feel free to jump in if I don't do it, obviously. But um, I I picked up a couple of verses in the Bible. There are loads. Sorry, were those verses from in the Bible? Yes. Thanks for the reference. Uh, No, I was going to, I was going to, I'm not just saying. (laughs) There are some really good verses. verses. Check them out. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. No, I've got Romans 12.2, which says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Boom. And James 4.4, which says, 
Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? I can never say that word. Enmity. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Sometimes we look at verses like that. Sometimes they're preached on. Sometimes they come up in conversation with other Christians. And they say, no, you shouldn't be doing this because that shows you're a friend of the world and Mm. that makes you an enemy of God. But Jesus gets stuck in. Jesus, there's another verse here from the Bible. (laughs) You should really read it sometime. It's great. (laughs) From the Bible, yeah. Biblical is amazing. Ground rule number two. John 8.23. Jesus says, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. But even Jesus is willing to mix with these guys. Mm. I think we need to be careful with what the Bible is and isn't saying about having non-Christian friends going to parties Mm -hmm. some of the films we watch stuff like that i think we need to be careful obviously we need to be discerning but here's a passage which interestingly i have never seen before Mm -hmm. this you know this came as a shock to me um and i don't know maybe that's as christians sometimes we have maybe we we sort of focus on all the stuff we shouldn't stuff we shouldn't be doing maybe there's a great passage in, I am going to read the whole thing. It's only four verses. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 to 13. So this is Paul writing a letter to the Corinthians. He says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of this world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of these, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. And then there's a quote, I don't know where that comes from, but it says, purge the evil person from among you. This is really interesting. This is never, I've never seen these verses before. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they're so important because really gets to the heart of what Jesus is doing. And I think sometimes as Christians, we feel like we have to be pointing out the flaws. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where this comes from, that people think, oh, you're going to tell me you have to go to hell. We do want to be honest with people, but we're not judging people. Yeah. It's, it's really it's explicit there, isn't it? Yeah. It's saying when Paul says, don't mix with sexually immoral people or, you know, like the greedy, or basically anyone who sins, he's not saying the people who are of the world. He's saying if Christians are persisting in these sorts of sins. Mm-hmm. So he's he's not saying, judge all the people, go into your little Christian clique, your little Christian bubble, don't have non-Christian friends. Mm-hmm. Do you see what you're saying? I do have a question, though. Yes. Because in that passage from 1 Corinthians 5, was it? Yes. 1 Corinthians 5, it talks about not judging those outside of the church, mm-hmm. but we are to judge those inside the church. That's where I start to struggle mm-hmm. because it is very. I reckon that every single person that goes to a church that listens to this will have been personally involved or have a family member that's personally involved or a friend mm-hmm. that has been involved in church politics when it comes to how leadership in a church applies scripture for example something like and this is i think before we go any further with this i think this is a genuinely sensitive issue Mm -hmm. and we've got to be really careful what we say about this because and that's why i think that that's why i think that this lack of judgment in jesus ministry is so key because these are these can be real hurts and real is i don't think that paul is saying that if there is someone who claims to be a Christian 
that goes to your church that is not acting at that time in accordance with what the Bible says that you should be judgmental. You should, they shouldn't be shunned either. I just think no, you, no, you no, see, no, no. I, I don't I think apologize. that's what you were saying. No, that isn't because obviously don't I'm looking at it as you've not done anything wrong. Well, well, I always, you always do that. Fine, You're about to apologise for apologising, aren't you? Everything within no, you wants to do it. No, There's no, no, it doesn't. But I just, I just think it's a really important thing because it doesn't mean it's because like, otherwise you're going out there and saying to people, "Hi, why don't you?" Why don't you join our church? Mm. The mm. moral bar will be ridiculously raised. <laughs> when you get it wrong, we will judge you. You yeah, will feel I'm sorry. alone. I didn't, you know, I didn't. You just said, re- "I'm sorry again." I didn't. I didn't. It's, I'm going to no, end this podcast if you apologise again. Okay. Whatevs. Whatevs. That's that's going to be my new response. That's what he now. says. Whatevs. Um, yeah. So that. Yeah. You are. You are right. And you know that might be something that we come back to. I'm not. Mm. I'm not at all saying. As a Christian, now go out and judge your Christian friends. I'm not saying that mm-hmm. at all. What I was looking at was the the other side of the verse that sometimes we feel guilty if we're enjoying the world. Mm-hmm. But this is what Jesus is doing here. He's in, he's getting stuck in. He's enjoying the world. I, I was. Mm-hmm. It was more that sometimes we can sit in the church and think, oh, yeah. isn't the world going to pot? And haven't we got all the right answers? And shouldn't mix with these people because then they're going to drag you down and rob you of your faith yeah. that that was the aspect I was coming from and like I say I just found it very interesting that I've never ever had those verses come up in a yeah. sermon or you know, I'm not just talking about the church we go to I'm talking about any church you know I've never mm. sat under any sort of teaching it's never come up with any bible notes but I think that's a really key thing we don't judge the people that we're in the world with yeah. you know there are times and places of bringing stuff up if they ask questions mm. but it's not your place to go around telling people what they need to sort out in their lives no. so yeah ignore the those inside the church I was just pointing out that if we are going to judge anyone it's meant to be in the safe loving environment of the church yeah. it's not a case of you're an idiot you know fellow Christian you're doing this wrong here's why I'm so right it, it is in a loving way yeah. and it's not something to take outside of the church and start banding mm. around which like I say I personally don't know any Christians who do that no um, nor do I but but unfortunately, when I chat to friends of mine and mention church, like I was saying earlier, people always say, oh, are you going to tell me I'm going to hell? Mm. Or something like that. And that people, always strikes people me. People are quite smart and quite emotionally sensitive, though, because they can tell when someone's living a life that is judgmental. They can mm. pick up a mm. judgmental vibe without you having to say judgmental words, I find. Yeah. So they can really... Um, because just because someone doesn't come from a Christian or other faith background doesn't mean they don't contemplate these bigger things about morality. And I don't know, I just think that people are very, very sensitive to being judged, particularly once they know what a Muppet, the person that is judging them is. Yeah. And that's when they use that H word, hypocrisy. That's the big... And that's what we're trying to avoid here. Jesus wasn't a hypocrite. I mean, he, he he also was slightly different to us in that he was... He was he behaved perfectly mm. during his life, but still, that's really difficult. Can I say one more thing as well? Yes. Just uh, again about that passage that came up. I know this is a bit of a tangent, but mm-hmm. I think it is key because there is there are there are so many people that are going to be listening to this. I am sure that have been involved in stuff like yeah. church discipline and those times where your youth leader or your church leader does say to you the way that you're behaving is not in line with scripture and as 
as the person that is in leadership at your church, I feel it's my responsibility to say, I love you, but you need to sort that out. It's amazing how difficult that is to hear. Mm-hmm. But in that, in those verses that you've read there from Paul, there is also that flavour of we are to pull each other up on stuff. We are to live by scripture and it is important how Christians act. So if Jesus had gone into um, this house with these tax collectors and had done what they're doing, if he had um, gone against, if he's sort of working for the Roman Empire, for example, or if he had started committing the sins of their heart too, then he his message would be equally lacking in potency as if he was going around just judging everyone rather than yeah. forgiving. So I just think there's a balance to that. Oh, no, definitely. And I mean? also, I mean, in the, the more positive balance as well, like the other side, is that it isn't a religious thing, judgment. I've got plenty of non-Christian people I know who are who are more judgmental than, than you know, than the sort of the, what this passage talks about. You know, loads of people who are always sort of judging others. It's not a religious thing necessarily do you see what i mean so by being loving to your friends and in conversation by being being selfless and being loving you actually then stand out as a christian as opposed to standing out against other christians you know i didn't want it to sound like i'm saying you know all christians Mm -hmm. or all religious people are judgmental i didn't mean it like that you can actually stand aside from the world because there's plenty of judgment in the world itself outside of religion yeah so Half so, of our television watching these days oh, is about judgment. It's awful, isn't it? Yeah. And 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 the problem is again, it's another tangent. Um, but people like Simon Cowell, Alan Sugar, I do not understand why we hold these people up. They're not nice people. You know, there seems to be this thing at the moment, like oh well, oh yeah, judgment. Oh yeah, but they know what they're talking about, and kind of excusing just nastiness in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. You know, and I think oh yeah, but yeah, but Simon Cowell, he always says what we're thinking. Stuff like that, but that isn't that isn't necessarily a good thing. Do you see what I mean? I, I yeah. find a lot of these, like you say, a lot of this sort of, you know, you know the TV and yeah, I, I, I just think we need to be very careful. And like I say, if in doubt, be like Jesus and just be welcoming, be open with people, just be nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's so. This, w- this week's challenge to everyone: watch some reality TV and don't say anything nasty yeah. while you're watching it. <laughs> yeah. If I could make it through one episode of The Apprentice without saying something nice, nasty this year, the only person I've not been nasty about is Jason, and he's out now. For anyone right. who watches The no Apprentice, idea. I know you don't. You probably <laughs> just play computer games instead, yeah, don't you? Much. It's better because for you. Because you suck, and I judge you <laughs> in that. And computer games suck. Because actual reality is better you are gonna love when than you ask me virtual about reality. You're going to love it when, I, when you ask me about my pledge. I will, yeah, well, I will tell you about that. So we'll anyway, I, I don't want to dwell too much because we're, we're going to run really we, long. Because we've already <laughs> dwelled too much. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Shall we move on? I just, well, I just wanted to say one more He's thing. He's going to dwell too it's, much It's now, another really? joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. This, one's, this one All is right, actually. Throw it out then. Throw it so we've got the physician analogy. Jesus at the end says... Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. You can't help the sick from a distance. So this is why you need to be in the world. What if you have a long syringe? No. No, because you Long thermometer? No, because the the law of moments, the Newtonian law of moments, would mm-hmm. mean that it's actually, you're going to be less accurate from a high distance. So wow. in order to pinpoint exactly where 
you know, you need to administer mm-hmm. the treatment. You need to be in amongst people. And then my joke, here's my joke. That's why NHS direct is so rubbish. Because <laughs> it's so poor. impersonal. That's rubbish. That was poor. No, it's, that's good. Seriously, the no, other day, right? The, no, because the thing is, the only way to know that a joke is good is if people laugh. It's not like if people have a conversation afterwards. People will have laughed. People will have laughed. I I'm think not, people are laughing more now. I'm just the NHS direct thing. Just yeah. this is a definite aside, but I've got acid reflux stuff at the moment. <laughs> this right? is where you get overly personal but again, when, isn't it? I knew this would happen in the evening. It. People love it. I love sharing it. A problem shared is a problem halved. I've got acid reflux at the moment, right? I I got a lot of chest pain because of it. I went on NHS direct because I was like, oh, I'm getting all these weird symptoms. They told me I should phone an ambulance. Really? They said call nine nine nine. It flashed up in red. Call 999, you are having a heart attack. Really? And I wasn't, it was indigestion. (laughs) There you go. So I'm just saying, we cannot be NHS direct for the world. We can't, from a distance, go, yeah, this is what you're doing wrong. We've got to get in amongst people and love them and help them. Get our hands dirty. Exactly. Then wash them and then administer medicine. Correct. And then wash them afterwards as well. Exactly. Before eating. Go. Go on Go. fasting. Talking about eating, fasting. <laughs> yeah, fasting. Right, okay. Yeah. Now, what I've got at the top of my notes here is that this passage really baked my noodle, um, which, like, if you're not from this part of the country, means I had to think about it a lot before I understood it, because okay. it seems, for want of a better word, a bit random to be I honest. am from this part of the country, and I've never, ever heard that before. You've never so heard baked my noodle? Sweeping sorry, I'm sorry for any Londoners that are offended by my racism towards Londoners. Wasn't offended, but it's just inaccurate, isn't it? Like noodle is not. Oh yeah, you think of London, you think of noodles. Mm. It just doesn't work, does it? Continue. I apologise. Um, you've cut me off mid-flow. Sorry, mate. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not. Look how much you're laughing. That's ridiculous. Anyway, right, I'm now going to plamps you. That's it. <laughs> After your mundane thing about not judging anyone. Because yeah, that's what God's going to do at the end of everything, isn't it, Paul? <laughs> Didn't pull that one out, did I? Oh, no. Turns out God is the judge. <laughs> Boom. In your face. Booyah. Booyakashah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we right. can trash talk after we've finished. <laughs> As usual. If that's your thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. Okay, Jesus gets asked about fasting. This is not Pharisees, but other people talking to Jesus now. And I'm going to read it very quickly for you. Now, John's disciples, that's John, Jesus' cousin, keeping it in the family, and the Pharisees, hooray, were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, so these are just some people, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees, hooray, are fasting, but yours are not? And then Jesus goes on to give three examples. The key to this passage is don't get caught up too much in the symbolism. Paul's biting his top lip because he spent a week getting, or two weeks, getting caught up in symbolism. Look at, look but, at yeah, that I see, yeah, I can see your note. It just says, a question about fasting. <laughs> <laughs> the heading. There's nothing under it. It goes straight into what I was talking about next. <laughs> I, There's nothing. I, was, I spent a whole week going, what on earth is this all about? Please, okay. please take it away. Okay, two concepts. The concept of old and the concept of new. And then there's a... Th- wait, 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 slow down. <laughs> slow down, I'm not getting this. Like, there's a concept of old. This is just my take, by the way. You might go out to the library and get at a commentary and find that I'm totally wrong. But this is my take, right? Jesus gives gives two examples about old and new stuff going together and how they're incompatible. 
And then he also gives a wedding example. The wedding example comes first. He says, you don't fast while the bridegroom is around. Now, obviously, there's some cultural stuff going on there, but it's, it's the same in our culture. While the bride and the bridegroom, before they get into their uncle's Mercedes with the ribbon on the front and go off on their cheap honeymoon, Sorry, from South East London. That's how we roll. Um, that bit I can relate to. <laughs> that's it, yeah. Um, so when, when they go off to, um, when they go off to their honeymoon, that, that's when the party starts to wind down. While they're there, everybody puts in the effort, everybody celebrates, everybody eats the food, drinks the wine, the beer, all of that stuff. That's what goes on while they're there. Jesus is calling himself the bridegroom. He's calling himself the main event at the wedding. Then he goes on to talk about how you don't fast when he is around. So he's instantly saying to this crowd of people, my disciples are different to the Pharisees and they're different to even John's disciples. They recognize that I am the main event and therefore they are not going to adhere to what everyone else is doing because something is changing something is new that's what they recognize the main event is happening Mm -hmm. so you've got that which is actually quite beautifully simple Mm. then he goes on to i need to get this in the right order um yeah he goes on to the sewing new cloth onto old cloth is that the next one and then it's the pouring new wine into old wine skins when you pour um no we do the cloth first when you sew as he says new cloth onto old cloth as soon as you wash it it shrinks why are you laughing so much <laughs> it's just about touching cloth <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what's wrong with you I'm so sorry what that didn't happen at you? all this week anytime I, I read that <laughs> alright let's, let's allow you a moment <laughs> happens when we do it in the evening isn't it <laughs> oh i'm ashamed go on finish up go on sorry for this we we interrupt this broadcast to allow paul <laughs> to, to grow so up i've got the second wave <laughs> oh, i'm really sorry everyone this isn't particularly listenable right okay i'm done i'm done yeah are you yep. sure you're done? Don't yep, interrupt honest. me again. No, 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 I won't. Okay, yeah, good stuff. Sure. There we go. So we're talking about cloth. <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> that was so easy. Right, okay. When you get material, right, when you get old material and so new material, like a pair of trousers or whatever, you wash them and it just comes apart and it makes everything worse anyway. So there is this lack of compatibility between the old and the new. The Pharisees and John's disciples are rightly adhering to the old traditions. The Pharisees were right to be doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. John's disciples were right to be doing what they were doing. Everyone was fasting at the time. There's no logical reason for them to not fast. But Jesus has already said, I'm the bridegroom. My guys are acting differently because they see things differently. They see it like I'm at a wedding. They see it like something new is happening. So we don't combine the newness of what I am bringing to the world with the oldness 
what, the oldness is that a word with with the old, yeah, with the old with the old ways so it's another statement about there's something new happening mm-hmm. there's a sense in which there's an excitement to what Jesus is saying he's not got teachers of the law trying to pick holes in him or anything like that these all these people are potential like drop your fishing nets and follow me disciple type people you know all these people are going to and later on we'll see he ends up getting a lot of followers but he's like something new is happening then you've got the third example of pouring new wine into old wineskins now people still use wineskins to this day actually because it's supposed to give wine a particular type of flavour right you know just like retro is cool these mm-hmm. days a lot of people use that if you have an old wineskin and you allow the wine to ferment in it the gas builds up so much that you can easily actually explode that wine skin. It just doesn't. It just doesn't work at all. You right. just you cannot put new wine into old leather, and so again you've just got this discrepancy between there is something new, there is this new wine, and then there is this old wine skin. Again, everyone's right to be going about things in the old ways. They're only just learning that there is a new kingdom coming in jesus big headline from chapter one the kingdom of god is near this is news to everybody so quite simply jesus is just talking about the fact that he is the bridegroom that he and by that he means he is the main event he's the reason why people are celebrating not fasting and he's drawing a distinction between his way and the old way Mm -hmm. and in my book it is just that simple because when you read it, I had to read it so many times mm. and then I got overly involved in it and then I had to pull back and come back to it another time and I was like, I'm just going to go down the route of the easiest possible solution. Because I, th- I think that often that can be the way to go. Yeah, no. That Does that does that make sense? Yeah, no, definitely. That's, like I say, I, I, I looked into it way too much. Got right in depth. I couldn't couldn't figure it out. But like you say, just, just taking a step back look at it yeah. it is that simple no, do, do I, I you, like that. does that does that make sense yeah because yeah like, no definitely mm, okay cool no i, I like that because i was i looked into it so much i was like oh no, it's gonna like i'm gonna oversimplify this but like may, maybe that's it no i think no that works, works it, it, it makes sense in the context of him taking on like throughout this whole thing mark seems to be at pains to be jesus he, he's he sent the kamikaze leper <laughs> in <laughs> to wind up the Pharisees. The Pharisees are now after Jesus. Mm. And Jesus, while he's got people when the Pharisees don't seem to be around, he's basically saying that this isn't the kingdom, this is new. It just seems to be that simple no. to me. No, I like Because they would have got that mm. as well. They really would have got that. They didn't have shop it sh- shopping where they would go off and buy new clothes. They would keep their clothes going yeah, yeah. the whole time. They would have really understood that. And they would have really understood. They would probably all... I mean, these were the days where everyone was doing home brewing. Do you know what I mean? It was like they were, like that. They probably all would have had experiences of the wineskins. So to them, they'd be like, yeah, old and new. Those are two examples of how they don't fit. Yeah, okay, you're a bridegroom. I've never fasted whilst the bridegroom was there. That's mm-hmm. when I eat the most. And that, so they would have known just like that. It is about context, isn't it? I Which think is, so. I think this is a context thing. Yeah, and as a segue, the next thing, next part, you know, there's, there's a bit of context here. So this is um, Jesus saying about the Sabbath. 
So the, the passage is entitled, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. So basically, um, Jesus and his disciples are walking through uh, cornfields, um, and it is the Sabbath, So which would have been a Saturday, would it have been? Yep. For the Jews? So um, they're walking through, and they're plucking ears of corn because they're hungry, and then the Pharisees say, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Which um, is basically like working. They, they're, <laughs> they're calling plucking corns of... Uh, like ears of corn as working, like just just so because they're hungry, they're walking through. You know, it's a bit, it is a bit ridiculous. It's wonderful irony that by pulling someone up on the law, they were working. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. their job. Yeah, no, that's they were doing it on the Sabbath. <laughs> that's true. There's a there's a Plamped. lot of that. Not by passage. Jesus, by Jamie. Jamie plants <laughs> the Pharisees. Is that going to be your little like? I'm still a big fan. Still a big just. fan, guys. Still a, yeah. <laughs> We've got Paul and Jamie read the Bible, and we've got Jamie Plamps' the Pharisees. That's <laughs> a yeah. special, special three-part series. Tune in, <laughs> tune in soon. Um, okay, so I don't want to go because we're, you know, we're going to run out of time um, soon. But basically, Jesus tells a story about David, you know, Israel's greatest king, um, mm-hmm. and some holy bread. So this is in one Samuel twenty-one. Uh, one to six, which I should really have put a little post-it thing so I could flick to it easily. I love um, this story, by the way. Yeah, I know you do. I'm I'm going to disappoint you because I'm not going as far as the bit you really like. That's fine. Um, I'm just doing the first bit. Okay. So So basically, this is a this is a story where um, David, who this is, he's he's fleeing from Saul, who's the current king. Saul's decided he really doesn't like David, so David's running away. So David turns up at the temple. Um, to Ahimelech, the priest. That's a great name, isn't it? And um, and then Ahimelech says, what, what are you doing here? So David lies. He says, oh, the king's given me a special mission. <laughs> so I've got, you know, it's all hush-hush. Don't tell anyone because he's actually hiding. Um, and then he says, I'm really hungry. Have you got any bread? And then the priest says, <laughs> no, we've only got God's bread. Um, <laughs> God's bread. I tell you what. Well, it is God's bread, yeah, isn't it? it? Is the bread of the bread. presence, it was called. Um, he said, we've only got God's bread, which obviously... It, it, is it as strong as you will die if you eat if you eat the bread of God? Something like they that. Probably when it, when they were fairly extreme back then, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. probably you'll and die. God did like to make pretty strong shows. You know, there was he someone did. who touched the Ark of the Covenant and died. Yeah, it, you know, it was. You important. eat my bread, I kill you. Yeah, no, that's pretty much. So, but, but I just love the uh, the bit where Himalek goes. Yeah, gone. Well, on, only if you've been kept from women. <laughs> so, like him, right. him, like makes up his own little rule. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> and he says, it doesn't it demonstrate. It does demonstrate that as well that they they really are. <coughs> excuse me, clearing my throat. It's catching. It is. What have you got? Um, yeah, it's it's just it does show how serious they were about it. Like they, it just gives the impression they wouldn't have let anyone just eat that bread. Like mm. they really have to have. Yeah. It was a big deal. Yeah, Sorry, no, no, it was well, it was yeah. a big deal. But like I say, the the weird thing is, it is a big deal. But that th- this little passage doesn't make it a big deal at all. And like I say, it mm. kind of sounds like Himalek's kind of making up his own little rule. <laughs> He's like, "Well, go on then, but only if you've not had, you know, uh, should be saying not had sex, you know, basically yeah. like recently." To which David goes, "Well, no," which know, is probably the only time in David's life he could honestly say <laughs> no. he had not had sex recently. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, this is the thing, isn't Bless it? Bless him. The context, you know, da- David, for he, he is renowned as, you know, Israel's favourite king or whatever, and, and their best king, but he, he didn't, he, you know, he wasn't 
he wasn't perfect, was he? He wasn't no, Jesus. No. And um, he did lots of things wrong. But the context of these these stories about David, they're portraying him in a positive light because obviously, <laughs> yeah. you know, the guy who's writing his chronicle wants to say, you know, uh, I don't want to get it's not Samuel writing this, is it? But um, is it? Or you've given me a nod. No, I was, I was. No, I haven't looked into it. I've just realised that I'm, you know, I'm just saying stuff that I haven't actually researched. But I don't believe it's Samuel writing this. But whoever's written this account is going to be in David's favour because everyone loves David, so they are supporting him when he's fleeing from Saul and whatever. Obviously, this is written after the events, so they're going to recontextualise it a bit. You know, when they're writing it, they want to portray David in a positive light. Mm -hmm. So this isn't really a big deal. So that's why Jesus. I think that's why Jesus uses this story, is because he's saying to the Pharisees. Well, David did something much worse than what these disciples are doing, like plucking little bits of corn in a field. Mm-hmm. David actually ate the presents, the bread of the presents. Mm-hmm. You weren't that bothered about that. You know, no one was that bothered at the time or whatever. I think he's picking up that sort of the hypocrisy because obviously mm-hmm. the Pharisees would have loved David because, you know, in their eyes, he would have been a great king. That's, that's part of their heritage, isn't it? You know, their yeah. ancestry. Um, <clears throat> so Jesus shows up their hypocrisy that like, yeah, okay, plucking ears of corn is such a massive deal well how comes it wasn't such a big deal when david you know did this did this other thing does that does that make sense i don't yeah. know yeah does. um so then jesus says this massive um verse verse 27 he says the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath which is which is pretty mind-blowing because a lot of the pharisees rules as we've just seen would have revolved around what you can and can't do on the sabbath mm. you know like you said they were working technically by having it go yeah. having to go how far do you draw the line there would have been so many little clauses i'm sure yeah. little, oh, well you can do that but you can't <coughs> go too far and you can do this you, you know whereas um jesus just flat out just says look it's all, it's, it all none of that matters anymore which feeds back into what you were saying this is a new this is a new way of looking at things mm-hmm. he says the, the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath so Again, I'm conscious of time. I've just put three points there. I've just said what freedom we have that God trusts us to to do things, you know, to try things out. I've, I've entitled this bit of my notes, the freedom to fail, basically. Mm-hmm. God loves us and he wants us to try, you know, try things out. We don't have to have these petty rules. You know, over the years I've heard some people say, oh no, well, we don't think it's right to watch telly on the Sabbath or we don't think it's right to have a drink on the Sabbath or... Um, to do any work like DIY or anything like that. As Christians, we can kind of be tempted to come up with it's our It's not a good idea rules. that I do DIY on any day of the week. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. But that's the thing. We Sometimes we do come up with these little silly rules ourselves. Yep. And like I say, even Ahimelech the priest kind of came up with, you know, God's pretty clear, don't eat my bread. But he's like, yeah. oh, well, I guess if you haven't had sex, that you know, he's kind of making up these all silly, silly little rules. Mm-hmm. So we're free from those rules. This is what Jesus is saying. The Sabbath is for our good. It's not to it's not to sort of hem us in. So the second one I've put, I think we're free to make mistakes. You know, God doesn't expect us to get things right first time. That's a massive statement you've made there. Okay. We haven't got time to go into it there, but that freedom to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I was speaking to someone this week about what freedom truly meant. Right. And yeah, it was really, really interesting. And that is, it's a new friend of mine that isn't actually, it doesn't come from the same faith perspective as me, mm-hmm. but they're an atheist. That statement there, freedom to make mistakes, is a massive statement. Okay. I'll put it out there now. I'm not entirely sure that you're right about that. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm just talking about we are free to make mistakes as we try and 
do our best for God is basically what yep. I'm saying. In terms of this Sabbath sort of idea, yeah. we're free to try things out. Because you, you might think, well, personally, maybe I shouldn't have a drink at, on a Sunday because then I go to church in the evening and I fall asleep. Something like that. Do you see what I mean? But I'm saying it's not going to be the same for everyone. There's not going to be these hard and fast rules. Yeah. You don't have to make everything out to be a, you can and cannot do this. Yeah. So I'm that saying, I agree know, with. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm coming from with that. We're, God gives us you know the freedom to make mistakes as we try on the way to trying to get the best do our best for him yeah and then also we're free the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath so we are free to use our whole lives as a sabbath we don't have to have a particular day we sometimes talk about not being sunday christians and things like that mm-hmm. and trying to take stuff out into the rest of the week and again we're not constricted by a certain time or a certain place you know with this new mm-hmm. this, this new way of of relationship with God that exactly you were just talking about, you know, with, you know, the old versus the new. This this new way is saying you don't have to come to God at specific times and places. You, you know, that's that's a big part of this as well. So I've got those three points. We're free from petty rules, free to make mistakes as as we try and do better for God. And also we're free to use all our lives. We don't just have to have one day mm. where we have to do things or not do things. You know, we can use our whole lives as a worship and a Sabbath for God. Can I throw something in at that, on that last point Yeah, as of course well? you can. I agree that it's right not to... Sorry, I don't know if I was near the mic there. I agree that it is right to um, not be overly dogmatic about about those things. Yet, elsewhere in Scripture, and I cannot remember the reference because I'm terrible with the numbers side <laughs> of things, but Paul writes in um his letter to someone <laughs> um that they that they should not be in the habit or oh, no they should not give up meeting together they shouldn't be like that because that's a that's a bad habit essentially is what he's saying we are very much encouraged to meet with other christians and so like logis in terms of it's like no you shouldn't be dogmatic about church on a sunday Things like that. Well, but at the same time, just to balance that as well, that doesn't mean that you can live your life in is- your Christian life in complete isolation. No, no, no. And actually, doing whatever I, you I want. The, the bit, uh, again, maybe I wasn't clear enough, but I'm actually talking about the stuff outside of church on a Sunday. Yeah, I'm yeah. not saying that church is one of those things that you can take or leave. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and again, like you say, it doesn't have to be dogmatic, but I think church is a great thing. I'm more talking about outside of church. On, on the Sunday, you know, what you can and can't do. Yeah. How, how you treat that day, because it is a day, you know, it's not just turn up to church for two hours and then it's the rest of the day's different, you, you know, the rest of the day's like any other, like a Saturday or whatever, you know, because there is something good about not having a lie in on a Sunday, going to church. But I'm, I'm more talking about outside of church, what else we do on a Sunday is up to us. Mm-hmm. It's not hard and fast. Yeah. You know, it's not. There's like, a lot of room to move, isn't there? Exactly. So cool. yeah, I'm completely. Like I say, n- that's not a comment on church at all. I'm saying in addition to church, you know, some of these little sort of silly rules that we could sometimes come up with. So. Yeah, cool. Are we ready to move on to the next bit? Yeah. This next bit is really quick for me. Like you've got, it's, it's entitled Crowds Follow Jesus. Essentially what happens in the next few verses is a, a gathering of people known as a crowd follows Jesus, who is the main character (laughs) in the narrative we've been discussing so far. It's a helpful recap for people. (laughs) So, crowds follow Jesus. That's me for the next bit. Oh, really? What about the man with the withered hand? I'm not fussed. Oh, okay. 
Okay. I'm not fussed. Oh, Jesus heals a man with a withered hand. Yeah, okay. No, but seriously, when I read that, I was like, you've got a healing there, and that's great. But in terms of other stuff that is in this passage, I think, think about it yourselves in your own time. But you've got crowds, the, he- the healings continue, crowds follow Jesus. Can I just make one very quick point then? If you on, want to. On the man with the withered hand. That, I mean, there's this bit that absolutely kills me every time. Um, and not kills me, like makes me crease up. I'm talking about like just... Just, I find it just emotionally devastating that bit where um, everyone's standing around him. There's a guy with a withered hand. All the Pharisees gather around. What is Jesus going to do? It's such a horrible. They've got no love for this guy. It's just, is, is Jesus going to do something? Is he going to do more work on the Sabbath so we can catch him out? So Jesus, it breaks his heart. He says to the man, Come here. He says to the Pharisees, um, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? And they're silent. They're cowards. He looks around with anger, says he's grieved at their hardness of heart, and he says to the man, stretch out your hand. So the guy stretches it out, he heals it, and the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. I just find it's absolutely devastating. This bit just gives me a kick in the guts every hold on, time. Hold on, hold that, on. That's, that's, what happened there was I jumped onto the next bit of the passage, and you were finished on your bit of the passage, were you? I th- I thought the Lord of the Sabbath bit was... That was it. I assumed you were doing the old man with withered hand. And the no. Oh. No. Oh, man. So is yours under a different heading in your Bible? No, I just, I just so assumed that... So why did you deviate from the usual? Well, because I thought there's not much to say about crowds, so I assumed you had both. <laughs> no, sections. I was quite happy with my little section of some okay. crowds follow Jesus. Well, I'm sorry. Well, in that case, it's just as well I had something. But that man with a withered hand, like you say, yeah, it's a healing. But it's just this... Absolutely, Jesus, Jesus is just just pouring his heart out it's just absolute love there versus the pharisees just contempt you know and, and cowardice and, and i don't want to do the pharisees disservice because sometimes we can be like that you know that's that's partly why i hate the pharisees so much is because i see so much of me in them i'm a fan a lot of i'm a fan of the pharisees yeah. no that's fair enough like i say i think it sort of is a bit close to home for me sometimes you know some of the stuff that you think oh man yeah i'm like that but just that bit, like I say, that just absolutely just breaks my heart every time that Jesus is doing this absolutely beautiful act and all the Pharisees can do is try and trip him up and then and then they decide they're gonna, you know, try and kill him. I just yeah. breaks my heart. And I just That think, is that is where that is where they cross the line. It's when they start plotting mm. against Jesus. That is where they start to there's one bit that I was considering later on, much later on, it's gonna be a little while before we get there. That that actually, I think that I think that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which were another group mm. of religious leaders, behave in such an unjust way. As I was reading it, it actually made me want to cry. In mm. fact, I welled up because it just reminded me of so many injustices that can go on, and it's just that plotting. They've missed the point. They have missed the point. Yeah, no, and that's it. And like I say, the same thing. You know. I often would just stop and pray for a bit after reading that section because mm. it just it still is just a pun- right a punch right in the gut mm. just that bit and I just think you know sometimes we can completely miss the point and mm. we just need to produce, be absolutely wrapped up in Jesus love yeah you know especially as it's you know just shown so amazingly in that passage so sorry I'm going to s- skip on to the bit that I did no, think but even before yeah. you say that okay. I know like we were starting to to roll on through the passage and that but I think that just an aside, coming away from the text, that right there is a key example of why 
or, or, or what I'm really getting from reading the Bible with a friend mm-hmm. was that I, ni- neither of us who kind of like really thought, oh, that's my bit to look at. But from that, I would have totally just gone into something else. But by actually talking about the Bible and engaging with a friend truly mm-hmm. about it, then there's a, actually you've managed to pull, I mean, obviously everything, everything that you've been pulling out is stuff that you've really looked into. But that's a massive example, isn't it, of why it's so important to actually talk. Mm. Why talk about it rather than just sitting and reading? And that. So that's cool. That's a nice little moment there. I feel the love. We had a low yeah. point when you were laughing at touching cloth. Yeah, I feel you brought don't. that back with Jesus' love. He's yeah. very wonderful. Yes. Oh, it's it's amazing. Like I say, that just breaks my heart every time. And yeah. you know, just sometimes we just forget that simplicity. You know. Yeah. So anyway, so so what happens in the passage that's called Jesus appoints the twelve apostles? <laughs> You're not going to believe what happens. <laughs> so uh, I mentioned earlier we've already met five of the apostles. I don't, you know, there's no point reading out the names, but um, it's, we've got the four fishermen. He I can't am gonna pronounce read, them. I oh no, he's going to do it. Names. Yeah, here we go. Let's um, I'm over the page here. So we've got Simon, um, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, and John the two brothers um, who were the fishermen as well, the son of Zebedee. From the magic roundabout. And I love this. They're called, <laughs> they're called the Sons of Thunder, which, which is such <laughs> it a... It sounds like, like... I was watching a film, yeah, where, right. these two, where these two guys meet each other and they're supposed to be grown men that are really juvenile. Uh-huh. Right? And they look at each other for ages and they, one of them goes, hey, you can call me Dragon. <laughs> and the other one goes... <laughs> the other one goes... <laughs> Oh, he calls, his, he calls himself some. Oh, what was it? Oh, is it? Yeah, you can call me Nighthawk. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's literally, you imagine them. No, Who see, are you? I saw we are as, the sons of I saw this is another joke of Jesus because we I'm often not read. One of these <laughs> no, well, like jokes. James and John are always like stumbling in, aren't they? Just saying, <laughs> you're like, you flonkers. Like when they say, oh, who's your favourite? Jesus, can we have the best seats? Like, oversight of you. They always come crashing <laughs> in. That's are. why I think, like, the sons of thunder. I don't think it's necessarily like. No. A good title. <laughs> Might as well just call them the Sons of Tact. I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> just as these sort. <laughs> that bit just made me chuckle when I sort of thought of what, what they go good. on to do. It made us laugh in so, two different ways. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got Andrew, we've got Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas. Then we've got James, the son of Alpheus, who I believe is Levi, because Levi is the son of Alpheus. So I'm assuming... Woo! When Jesus says, follow me, I, I believe that, you know, the way I read it, Levi, but goes on to become one of Jesus' disciples. Wow. Um, so then That's got, a good spot. Yeah. That is a good spot. Yeah, I was pleased with that one. Then we've got Thaddeus, we've got Simon the Canaanian, Canaanian, and then we've got Judas. So, um, again... Yours, yours says Simon the... What does it say? Simon the... Canaanian. Canaanian. Mm. Mine says Simon the Zealot. Hmm. And like the zealots were one of the groups of Jews. Like he ah, would have been well, a okay. really like zealous, passionate, mm-hmm. over the top in a way. I didn't realise that's where we got the word zealous from. I didn't realise yeah. that it was a it was referring to a group of people. Oh, well, well yeah. that's really interesting. So yeah, so we've got a bit of a sort of motley crew. You know, we know about quite a lot of these. Some of them go on to great things. Some of them, you know, like Judas, you know, really sort of screws up. Um, you know, and we'll get to that a bit later. But um. 
like I say, we've we've met five of them, so we can pretty much assume <laughs> that mm-hmm. the rest of them are are similar. So you know, these aren't holy people. These aren't necessarily learned people. Mm-hmm. They're not the people that you'd necessarily expect Jesus to pick. And again, that's an encouragement because yeah. Jesus picks people who are just ordinary people like us. And I think that's something that we should be really overwhelmed by, you know, that Jesus will use people like, I mean, us colour plonkers yeah. <laughs> doing our best, like wading through the Bible. Making yeah, we can up. tell people what... <laughs> Touching what cloth, ha ha. <laughs> that's it, you know. Like, who are we? But Jesus will use, you know, can use anyone. Yeah. Um, so, and then I've just got three points from um, verses 14 to 15 because um, it says um, that Jesus, uh, what does it say? It says he appointed 12 so that they might be with him. They might He might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So th- those three points, um, Jesus picks us to be with him. That's about the big thing, which mm-hmm. I mean, again, is just mind blowing in itself, isn't it? Yep. To, to, uh, Jesus actually wants us to spend time with him. You know, God wants a relationship with us. Mm-hmm. That's just ridiculous. Every, every day I just think, why on earth? <laughs> would God choose someone like me um, second of all he sends them out to preach so we have got work to do and we are to talk to other people like I say mm-hmm. all these it is difficult it's a difficult balance it came up last episode it's come up this episode you know how we talk to people is difficult yep. but we are called to talk to people and be honest about our faith yeah and that is so key isn't it we are supposed to do that that is so clear mm-hmm. from Jesus like it's, it's I wasn't expecting so we talked about this before, didn't we? You come to the Bible expecting to learn the things you already know. Yeah. And I've been really amazed at how that comes out time and time again, mm-hmm. which is kind of obvious because this is basically Jesus proclaiming the gospel. It's Mark proclaiming the gospel about Jesus proclaiming the gospel, which we are also to proclaim. Yes. And yes. I was not expecting any gospel <laughs> proclamation whatsoever. That's, no, it's one of those that's, things, um, that's a... A low point for me, <laughs> intellectually. Yeah. Don't worry about it. We're all in the same boat. So, and then thirdly, um, they have the authority to cast out demons, which I've I've said. You know, obviously there aren't that many demons around these days. That well, I've, unless I'm just particularly. <sighs> I've gone there again. He's yeah, gone there sorry. Again. <laughs> yeah, let's. But uh, but I've put. This I love bit, your nervous laugh. Just, well, just, <laughs> you know, there's no point having a fight about it, is there? No, that's not. It's not just one not of those now. things. Not no, now. not. <laughs> Not this late in the no. evening, um, but I've I've put in brackets there. It's it's doing work for God's glory, mm. and and again that is incredible that God will involve us in His work. Um, so yeah, so let's be confident. Jesus will choose people like us. You know, just ordinary people. You don't have to be special. Mm. You don't have to have amazing gifts. I'd say most of these guys go on to develop stuff, mm-hmm. but they're already working well before they get these sort of good things that they find they're good at. Yeah. And, and sometimes I think we're a bit reticent. We think, oh, no, well, I don't really know where my giftings are yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I can do in the church. Just get stuck in anyway. Be confident. You know, God delights in mm-hmm. using us just as he uses this ragtag group of people. Um, so, yeah, let's be confident and get stuck in. Cool. Right. So we've covered, we've covered quite a bit there in terms of there, like there's small passages, but they tell us key things about what's going on with Jesus. He's got a crowd following him. And from that crowd, he's deliberately choosing specific people that were just average people to really learn from him mm. and to, yeah, well, to learn from him really is essentially what they're doing at this stage. Enter 
the Pharisees <laughs> again. Hey. <laughs> the good old fa- <laughs> excuse me, the good old Pharisees. They get it badly wrong here in this next passage. In my Bible, it's entitled Jesus and Beelzebub. Beelzebub. Now there are loads of things to say about this passage. I love this passage. Okay. <laughs> right? Because there is a verse in it that is a stumbling block to so many people. In fact, most people that read the Gospel of Mark come away with this one question. Mm-hmm. And it comes from a verse is, well, from 27, 28 onwards, really. And it said, from 28, it says, I tell you the truth, all the sins and the blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. That's really strong language, right? And people come away with the question, how do you blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Because I really don't want to do it. Mm. And they come away with the question, did Jesus die on the cross for everything other than this sin Mm. of Mm. blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? Valid question. Yeah, oh yeah. It's a question that I hadn't really tackled myself. It's a question that I think I'm on the way to working out the answer to for myself. It's also a question that I have had answered for me a number of times and I've always heard the same answer in church for this question. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to report that having delved around for myself that the conclusion I am coming to is exactly the same okay as what i have been told okay yeah by the church leaders that i've been fortunate enough to sit under while <laughs> fortunate enough to sit under they weren't <laughs> sat on me while they were <laughs> teaching teaching me about the bible um oh, well, I, metaphorically sat under. i've had some good pastors that's what i'm trying good. to say no, that's good that have that's led good. me well but there is i think the journey is important here mm-hmm. and gloriously for me the, the 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 devil is in the detail. Oh, that's good for this passage. Okay, first of all, Beelzebub. Let, let's let's See, go for this. Did you notice? I laughed at your joke there. You could learn from that. It just sounds sound. Like did you notice my joke was going, funny? You, know? just, you could. No, you it could, wasn't. It wasn't. You Don't could learn from rubbish. that. It wasn't funny. I'm just being polite. But I just think it makes us sound like we're friends. It makes us sound like yeah. we get on. We talked know, about just... authenticity before, didn't we? Yeah, that? yeah. Sorry, go on. If we want to really keep it real. And that just, everyone, just the context here. Um, Eloise is just sat, that's Paul's wife. <laughs> She's just sat with some headphones on. Sorry, She's Eloise. playing Lego Star Wars at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> she just shouted out in the background. That's never, never cool, is it? I don't, I think we've set it up that she can't be heard. I, really? Yeah, mute. I, I don't want it to. Wife mute. She's yeah, done it again. That's it. It's all right, done we'll cut again. her out even if we can her. Let's go from the devil is in the detail again. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we'll cut this bit out. Here we go. So, in this passage, the devil is in the detail. And you didn't laugh that time, that's fine. It was funnier the second time. It I wasn't thought. funny the first time. Beelzebub, what does that mean? Has two meanings. Excellent question, Paul. Here's the, <laughs> here's the answer. Beelzebub is a... What does that mean? 
Thank you, Paul. Beelzebub is a phrase that refers to a number of things. It's been used across history in a number of ways, most notably outside of the Bible in Milton's Paradise Lost, where he describes hell and Beelzebub. This is not... Milton didn't really know what he was talking about. He was just a bloke like you and me, by the way. But he uses, from this passage, he takes the phrase Prince of Demons and he makes out that Beelzebub is second in command to Satan in hell. He has an inaccurate view of hell and it's a load of rubbish. But if anyone's into literature, then you'll probably like the way that Milton spouts his twaddle. Anyway, does it very poetically. And that, so Beelzebub can mean the prince of demons, which is how Mark takes it here. Beelzebub can also mean... What are you laughing no, just, at? Welcome to the Paul and Jamie book club. <laughs> Milton! Classic literature. <laughs> Milton! Idiot! <laughs> Sorry. Heretic! <laughs> okay. So the, Beelzebub can mean the prince of demons, as Mark has it here. Beelzebub can mean... Um, that he is a powerful demon. That's another way. It can also be um, taken right back to in Kings. I think it's in Two Kings where they're dealing with uh, the land of Ekron or a king called Ekron. Ekron was in, in the Middle East at the time of Two Kings being written. And the god around there was called Baal and was often called Baal Zebub as well. So when a Pharisee uses the word Beelzebub, it can actually mean those things. But okay. essentially what we're looking here is anything that is against the God of Israel. So when Jesus starts to get rid of demons in, in people's in people's lives, when Jesus starts to um tell them tell them to leave people, they all start to proclaim that he is the Son of God. Then Jesus tells them to be quiet because he doesn't want them proclaiming that he's the son of God. Here's one reason why. Because if a demon uses the word God, then he could well be talking about the God of the demons. He could well be talking about Satan. Mm -hmm. And Jesus doesn't want to be associated with that. That is exactly what goes on in this passage. The Pharisees say he has the power over demons that means that he is in charge of them. He is working for Satan. We touched on this before, actually. Mm-hmm. The first time that Jesus um, Jesus was casting out demons in Mark, the people that were around him, I remember talking about the ambiguity that can be taken. They were just, they knew that he was spiritually powerful, but they were as yet undecided as to why, where was this power coming from, which I think is understandable when someone starts to do powerful yeah. things. And that's so they're, they're looking at that. I think in this passage, Jesus puts the lid on that. I think he, he stops it. Categorically yeah. denies it, doesn't he? He absolutely yeah. goes for it. And he says, look, if I was working for Satan, then why on earth would I be defeating <laughs> the other people that are working for Satan? Yeah. A kingdom that is divided against itself will not reign. This would be a really stupid tactic of Satan's to take over the world. In fact, Satan is more like a big man who owns this world. And if I'm going to sneak into this big man's house and I'm going to be stealing people from that big man, I need to tie him up first. <laughs> That's what's going on here. That's what his example is. Again, beautifully simple. I ran rings around myself trying to work out what he was trying to talk about 
and then realised that it was essentially very simple. <laughs> the words he used. <laughs> yeah, that, it yeah, was actually, I'll, I'll yeah. That, it yeah. was a, One thing that was helpful about this was I actually spoke to a friend of mine um, who was so helpful that I said that I would plug her ironing company um, on, the <laughs> on, on, on the podcast. So thank you to Chloe Tiderman, CEO of, <laughs> of Keeping It Tidy Ironing Services. They put the star in starch. That's what wow. I came up with for that. So thanks, that's Chloe. Good. But like, I, and I was you didn't even to... have to read that. That's no, I didn't. No, gen... yeah, that's, that's, that's it. I think it was you that coined the phrase. I got that straight out of my brain. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's gross. <laughs> that's, it. That, that's Paul Foster. <laughs> so that's what's going on there. Anyway, Jesus mm. says that, and then he talks to the Pharisees directly about what they have said. They've just accused him of being one of Satan's minions. Jesus does not stand for this. Mm. So, his response is like, you're an idiot because you're talking about a kingdom that we divide doesn't make sense in terms of what I'm doing. So, on that, I plants you. In the name of the Lord, I plants you. So he says that to them. In the name of the Lord, be plants. <laughs> be plants. <laughs> Upon your profession of being stupid... I now plants you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, which is pretty much what he does yeah, right? Yeah. in this passage. He says to them, look, you can sin against men. The sins of men, they'll be forgiven. In fact, and this is one of those sections where you have to look into Matthew and Mark as well, because they give more detail quite often, especially... No, you have to look into Matthew and Luke, sorry. Matthew often gives more detail than Mark. Luke often gives more detail than Mark as well. And in Luke, Jesus actually says you can sin against the Son of Man. Mm. So he's essentially referring to himself there. You can sin against me, but you cannot sin against the Holy Spirit. This is really, really key. That distinction between Jesus being a man, who he was, who the Pharisees were rightly working out where he was coming from, mm -hmm. right? And I, in this, Jesus is saying, you can, you can have a go at me. The sins of men, they can be forgiven. But what you have done there is you have just said that God is working for Satan. You have misunderstood who I am. You have categorically misunderstood that I am holy. You have misunderstood that I am acting in the power of the Holy Spirit. The answer that I got from church leaders and friends and family that know their Bible was that the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is not accepting that Jesus is your God. Mm -hmm. When and like I get shivers even thinking about how cleverly Jesus has done this. When you go to Jesus the man and you say to him, I'm looking at you, you man, and I think that you are getting your power from Satan. Jesus will say to you, I understand that you're working me out. I understand you're seeking and I, I have time for that. And all the sins of men can be forgiven. But 
if you sin against the work of the Holy Spirit through me, if you sin against him who is God, you are denying that I myself am holy. And that is unforgivable. And I think that sense of journey within that conversation Mm. is key. How does it tie in? How does Jesus get from the point of accusation or about working for Satan? How does he start talking about an unforgivable sin? It's because the Pharisees needed warning. Mm. These guys, I mean, even just forget they're Pharisees. Anyone that comes to Jesus and says that, I think you're working for Satan, has categorically misunderstood Mm. that he's Lord of all. That he works by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's begotten of the Father. He is the King of the world. He is the man who was God. He works by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was comforted by the Holy Spirit as he went to his death. And he rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he left the Holy Spirit as our guarantee, our guarantee of salvation. To blaspheme against the Holy Spirit is to blaspheme against everything Jesus stood for. You cannot be forgiven for that. If you die having not accepted that Jesus is who he said he was, that is unforgivable. And that was, that was really, I know I've spoken about that a lot, but that was such a key discovery for me. Of I know what I've been told about this, but I'm not going to accept it until I've worked out what's going on in this passage. And again, you might go to a commentary tomorrow and it blows that apart. I don't know. But for me, that's what's going on. Another way of putting it is Jesus just said, don't tell me I'm Satan. I'm God. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the way you've picked that apart. But I mean, I... Mine was more of a question because I was still a bit sort of uncertain about it, but I think you've sort of confirmed. I, I've put that that's that's our default state before God. You know, mm. that's everyone. Everyone, when you're born, your default state is your blaspheming against Holy Spirit, isn't it? Because you're putting yourself first, and like you say, you're you're denying denying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm wary of like putting it in more words because you've just done it so well there. But we, yeah, I. That's that's why I put that. That's our default state before God. Yeah. But then I also found a, a slightly different interpretation of um, when you were talking about uh, Jesus calling Satan like the strong man mm-hmm. in his in his house, um, uh, and I took encouragement from that because I, I think when once we've become a Christian, mm-hmm. once we're no longer blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, it's like Jesus binds the strong man, which in our in our lives is the sin. Mm. that before was preventing us from having a relationship with God. He binds that up and then starts pinching that. So mm. the house in it, the house is kind of our soul. Okay. You know, there's no yeah, sort yeah. of physical, but, but us ourselves, like as a vessel, we are yeah. kind of a house. Yeah, no, that's good because it takes it from the general statements about how salvation works to a personal level. No, like that. But that's what I love about the Bible is that, you know, it, it's not, all these different readings there's so many levels that's why it's just so amazing mm-hmm. and we can pick it apart and spend weeks and hours doing it biblical so is so amazing biblical is amazing so i so like i say i just saw that that picture slightly differently that that once we've become a christian our our house where like 
the big man who was sin was was roaming around. Mm-hmm. Jesus binds him up and starts taking all those things, all, all the sort of bad influences that we've had, all the useless things that have been hanging around that are cluttering mm-hmm. the place up that we should have thrown out a long time ago. And he basically makes space for more of himself. And yeah. what I'm saying is that sort of conversion conversion pro, process, you know, that yeah. uh, until until we're in heaven, until we die, we've still got that battle between the divine nature and the sin haven't we in the sinful nature you know we've, there's there's lots of passages about that in you know where paul says you know like the, you know what you want to do but you can't do it and the sin yeah. you don't want to do you do do so until do do so but until we die that, that that there's that constant battle but it's it's that in us that kingdom has been divided so mm. i just saw that sort of in that way as yeah. well that's cool there was one more thing and this actually is really just to set you up to knock this last bit out of the park. Okay. <laughs> and that kind of started with the last kind of verse of that little section. But there's an interesting insight into a particular stress that was in Jesus' life at the time. And I mean that quite seriously. Just at the beginning there, verse 20 says, Then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. And then we have this verse about his family. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. For they said, he is out of his mind. Then he calls the Pharisees out, absolutely promises the Pharisees, and then Paul, what happens? So, I've, I've got this down as potentially the first time we hear Jesus talking about church. Cool. I don't know if this is sort of the the way sort of you were looking looking at it when you've been looking at it this week, but but Jesus makes this kind of he he's got more important things, hasn't he? So he, his mother and his brothers come standing outside. They sent to him and called him. So the crowd are sitting around him and they go, uh, "You do realise like your your mum and your brothers are outside. <laughs> they like kind of want you to go out." Like you say, it sounds pretty serious. They're like, "We, I mean, you say, what was your what was the the word in that in that verse twenty one? What was?" They 21 they think he's out take of his charge mind of yeah they want to take charge of him because they think he's out of his mind yeah they, they went out to seize him <laughs> so it's going like right enough mom you're so embarrassing <laughs> I'm trying to and, be um, the messiah and Jesus just just flatly he looks around at everyone and he goes well who's my who's my mum and my brothers mm. is everyone here and and to me I saw that as the first time Jesus is kind of talking about church he, mm. he basically says whoever does the will of God he is your brother and your sister and your mother so um, and, and we know from later on in the Bible that the family analogy of of mm. meeting together as Christians, as followers of Jesus, which you know a lot of these people were, like mm-hmm. you say, he did have a big following. Um, so yeah, that's that's how I saw this bit. I didn't I didn't go really thinking too much about how his his mum his his actual mum and brothers would have felt about that. I didn't really sort of mm. go down that route so much. But um, but yeah, I just found that interesting that this is. Yeah, like I say, I've put it down to it being Jesus first talking about church, really, mm-hmm. and and it is quite exciting, isn't it? This new yeah. again, it's it's the new way of things. Yeah, is that because again, there were lots of Jewish laws about you know who was who had the right to the to the family inheritance, and there were lots of family mm-hmm. sort of stipulations, weren't there? Lots mm-hmm. of different things about you know who gets what and whose role was yeah. what, and and this is basically Jesus saying, look, we're all in this together. And that's what I find about church. I think um, I have been accused 
um, by a couple of people who've been talking about the podcast of maybe being a bit down on church sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think the reason we sound like we're down on church is, I mean, I, mean, I never, you know me, Jamie, I never get worked up about anything really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, church is one of those things that I do get worked up. I only get worked up about stuff I care about. Yeah. And church is something I care about. You know, church, I think, has the potential to be absolutely, you know, just transformative i really do think it's, a, it's especially if we start acting like brothers and sisters oh, yeah oh definitely and that's the thing you know like say we we've all got this amazing this amazing unity in the fact that we're all useless but jesus has decided to use all of us together and and so together we become useful mm. to him you know and and there is that you know we can encourage each other and just as the, just as god you know last episode i think i said that god came down to god from god yeah <laughs> you know describing the trinity blew my mind yeah, yeah that's it it was it was pretty it was pretty intense i mean uh you know not to blow my tremor or anything but but we you know just as god is made up of people we we really can be we can do amazing things together you know we've got mm. these these crowds that are going around following jesus jesus assembles some disciples because we're not we're not good enough on our own to accomplish anything as lone rangers really Mm. and again i'm careful because i'm not saying that anything we do of our own um power is useless but i'm just saying that church is such an important thing we really need to bind each other together you know to to accomplish to, to get alongside each other to accomplish all these things you know when we don't have each other's support we just need that constant sort of topping up um, yeah. We were chatting before recording, Jamie, and mm. you you referred to church as like having a drink, mm. and you said it was like running a marathon. Life is like running a marathon, mm. and um and you know when I was saying before about we need to be out in the world, but obviously mm. in order to be out in the world, we can't just be left out in the world because then we do start to take on yeah. some of these properties, and and you know maybe That's we it. think oh maybe is God really does he really know what he's talking about? Because actually some of the bits in the world are pretty good and enticing but mm. as long as we're meeting together and taking that drink exactly like you were saying earlier when we were chatting then that then spurs us on that when we are yeah. out in the world amongst everyday people we we really can do good mm. you know and we can be a real force for good and i think that's how i see the church so i hope i do get more opportunity this has a, been a real bumper episode so thanks everyone for how <laughs> long have we been going for it's an hour and a half really we've done just flat out Kaboom. i mean i could have talked for twice as long really if we yeah you know some of these tangents we've gone down you know I, I do hope that going through this i hope i hope that you know people people that you're getting stuff out of this we certainly are yeah we've been massively challenged here and mm. um, i think you know i think the two of us really feel like we're sort of um bonding together really mm. well as well through this you know it's just been it's been absolutely fantastic so far yeah like, i, I want to put something out there like i know that paul is often the one who is is like always errs on the side of vulnerability about <laughs> stuff as well but one of the reasons that we didn't get the podcast out on saturday was because we were like i personally was facing a bit of a difficult time needed some space just get my head sorted and um, actually do some ironing as well. <laughs> Chloe Tideman uh, didn't do it for me, but her company is still very good at ironing. It puts the star in starch. I just needed to catch up with life in general. And um, it was it was just, I was able to share with Paul that I needed a break just from everything, including doing a podcast. And yet just, even that, just because of the relationship we've, I mean, obviously like we've been mates for years, mm. 
and that, but reading the Bible together and entering into this together has brought that friendship to another level. So if you're looking to make really good, strong friendships and you're a Christian listening to this, Re- actually read the bible <laughs> ground, ground rule, rule number, number one, one. <laughs> yeah that's it so there we go. i think we've talked for long enough oh i need yeah. to ask you yes did you do what you said you'd do last week i did well my pledge was that i try and pray better so yeah. i did definitely try i okay. really tried prayer is really hard i put something up on facebook before i said yeah. i hope you'd forgotten to and yeah, I, yeah, I almost I forgot that, yeah. i almost forgot to, i think i know. told you to stop us seeking attention on yeah, facebook and just pray that instead. was it but um, I'm, I'm not going to use the analogy I use because that's going to run us run us even longer. Okay. But um, maybe you but should put something up on Facebook, a little report yeah, on maybe that. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll write. But up it's a good that you're trying. blog. But prayer is really hard. I've. But again, reading, looking at what Jesus is saying, some of these points that we've come up with, I've just found that again, I've made I've made prayer into something that it isn't. I've made it all about oh, you have to get this phrase in, or you have to say this bit. Mm-hmm. You have to do a bit where you thank God and a bit where you. Do you see what I mean? So, sometimes, sometimes that is helpful. I do find that structured prayer is useful. But I've also found that, especially reading the Bible, sometimes I've just had to stop and just think in a sort of contemplative, prayerful way, yeah. if that makes sense. And sometimes prayer is as simple as just putting aside time. That was one of my three points, was putting aside time. Mm-hmm. And, and I think any time that you... You spend try and spend time with God. You know, even if you're like walking for the train or something like that. I've been really struck this last week that it doesn't mean you have to shut yourself in a darkened room for an hour. No. But any time you choose God over listening to the radio or reading a book or something like that, you know, however small you you, it's something I'm still working out. But mm. but I have been encouraged. You know that that you. <laughs> yeah you can tell i've i've yeah until i've struggled but but i'm i'm beginning to sort of work out this this freedom and I, I, maybe it's something that we'll come back to struggle struggle about. is a product of trying hard yeah yeah so no, that's, that's it and that's one thing i've um i've been you know reading a lot um generally um about my faith uh, you know about christianity and trying to work some things out alongside this podcast you know some of the issues we've raised and one thing that I've been really struck by, if you feel you're struggling, if you really are beating yourself up, that is a good sign. You don't, you know, don't dwell on that because that means you are, you are seeking God and you're seeking to be better. And that, that's good. Yeah. You know, the worst thing is apathy. So yeah. I just want to, you know, encourage people. Like I say, maybe next time we'll set aside a proper time when I can articulate my mm. um, thoughts properly on, on sort of prayer. But yeah. uh, I've been really encouraged. Just that freedom, you know, just to just to try and like I say to make mistakes not everything I've tried prayer wise has worked yeah you know some things uh, okay well that didn't that didn't really work you know maybe maybe I'll go into that a bit more but um, but yeah it's hard <laughs> but that's why we need to get alongside each other so in in the aim of doing that we've got different ways of getting in touch we've got Twitter which um, yeah we you know we need to get better at using that but also you guys you know we'd love to hear from you e- even if it's just to say you know, I listened to the podcast mm. or, you know, what about this verse? What about that? You know, ask us questions. We do want to, we do want to get to know some of you as well as getting to know each other really well. You know, we would like to have that sort of sense of community. We need each other. That's what we were just talking about like with the whole church thing and 
get alongside each other. So, mm. you know, let's encourage each other. So we've got Twitter at Padraturb, which is P A J R T B. We've got Facebook now, haven't we? Which is, yeah. I think, Facebook.com. Which is F A C E B O O K. So we've got Facebook.com <laughs> forward slash Paul and Jamie read the Bible because Facebook let us have the whole thing. And then we've also got an email address which nobody has used yet, which is Paul and Jamie read the Bible at gmail.com. That's it. So thank you very much for listening. Like I say, it's been a bumper episode. Hopefully it's not put you off and you've been able to listen to the end, even if you had to split it up into a couple of bits. Um, we're, we're really sort of getting fired up and I hope some of you guys are as well. And so until next time. And they all said. <laughs> well, I was going to say goodbye. <laughs> oh, goodbye, Jamie. This is the longest possible way we could end it as well. I thought we did the I know I can all say. Okay. So shall we do it properly now? Yeah, come on. <laughs> goodbye, Paul. Goodbye, Jamie. And they, and they all, all said, said Amen. Amen.